If we help the community, everything else benefits. Mm, 100%. Mm-hmm. The Carmali Exchange is brought to you by Master Chocolate by Bernard. Welcome to Carmali Exchange. I'm Faisal Carmali, and I'm here with Catherine Bell with the Awaken Company. I'm excited. This has been a long time in the making for us to get together. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. You know, one thing that entrepreneurs and business owners sometimes struggle with and don't really fully value is leadership and culture. Mm -hmm. And so I want to go to the gurus that know all this stuff. So here we are. We have you here. Well, it's such an honor and privilege to be with you and also with your absolutely delicious team (laughs) who are behind the scenes, just so everybody knows. Love it. Yes, they're awesome. And, uh, you know, when when we wanted to get together, the, the one thing that the team said is, you know, let's pick her brain. Let's have a good dialogue mm. in front of us. We have our master chocolate boxes. By the way, the chocolate's amazing. You got to try it. In there are some questions. We'll have some good dialogue and, and hopefully we can get the, the points across of some of the key takeaways that business owners can get out of develop leadership skills, understanding culture and having a good conversation like we're going to have today. Sounds amazing. Why don't we start with you? Thank you, Faisal. And I just want to honor you for doing this and for doing this for our community, and for doing this for your clients, and for helping to make the world a better place by doing so. Thank you. Because thank you. ultimately, it's about what are all the small things that we can do. Yeah, thank you so much. And you're doing it. Awesome, thank you. Honor. Okay. All right, pick a box. Okay. Whichever one. Are those three right there? Whichever one you'd like. Well, it's chocolate. Yeah. So how could I not go for the largest box possible? There we go. Possible? Bernard would be happy. Bernard Calabo, the, the creator of this chocolate, would be happy. They've been right for the big box. And you know what? We interviewed Bernard Calabo when I did my MBA at Queens okay. as an example business leader. So awesome. Voila. It's funny how the world kind of Look spins. At that. That's fantastic. First of all, there's all these beautiful chocolates. Like, oh my word. <laughs> and they're they're so artisanal. And it tastes even better than it looks. <laughs> so excited. And chocolate is one of the top 10 health foods. I bet you didn't know that. I did not know it's that. It's filled with antioxidants. Hmm. So do I get to ask you this? You can ask like me, then we'll have a good dialogue okay. going back and forth. When it comes to leadership, mm-hmm. what is the biggest lesson you had to learn the hard way? So for my businesses, the hardest lesson, or the, the lesson I learned the hardest way was, I cannot always be leading by example. Mm-hmm. I have to lead by leadership. Mm-hmm. I have to find out what's their motivation mm. and not be my motivation. Mm. Amazing. That's been really, was really difficult because I'm like, if I can just, and I grew up playing hockey. So if you can get on the ice and you can play and you can dig in the corners and you can show them you're a, you're a strong leader on the ice, then they'll, the whole team will follow. Not always the case um, because everybody has different motivations in a business. And so actually understanding what their motivations are, what their paths are, what's happening in their world, mm. and how that can help the bigger, the bigger story and the, and the big picture and the vision. It's been a hard way of learning that one, but it's, mm. uh, but it's a, a lesson that I'll never forget. So what would you say is the smallest thing as a leader that you do to inspire others? Because that, to me, gets to inspiring others. Yeah, so I, I think when it comes to myself, it's been actually asking individually what's happening in their world. Mm-hmm. Because as entrepreneurs, we've, we've put ourselves as this is our world. But when you bring on members onto your team, this is not their only world. Mm. 
they've got a probably a world that's bigger outside than what they have inside this these four walls so how do we have that communication and how do we understand that is where i think the small things i need to do so finding out from each team member what's happening in their life what's on their docket what what can i help them with mm-hmm. to help them meet their goals and so then that meets the bigger vision overall and and still be there for them as best as i can what about you what what do you what when you look at the biggest lesson that you had learned the hard way the biggest lesson i've learned the hard way is actually one of the things we help ceos with now because i made such a big mistake of it oh do tell and it was around corporate vision So as you know, I started um, with my colleague Shahana, started uh, Profit 10 in Alberta, Profit 200 in Canada business. Mm -hmm. And we did it by doing things radically differently. And one of the things that was really important to me was vision, Mm -hmm. having a clear vision. And interestingly enough, now when I'm working with CEOs, the majority of CEOs do not know their vision still. So anyway, you, but here's my mistake. Yeah, okay. Let me share my mistake. Yeah. So my mistake is that we had a big corporate planning session. And I'm like, okay, team, here's our vision. And I just kind of rammed it down their throats. Because mm. I was so excited about it and so passionate about it that they, I thought they understood it. Then we brought a consultant in to work with us from um, Denmark. Okay. And he asked the team, what is your vision? And nobody raised their hands. So that night, I cried myself to sleep because it was such an epic leadership fail. And now I know, back to one of Margaret Wheatley's principles, is people support what they create. So every entrepreneur, get your teams involved in setting corporate vision. It is so important. So when you say that, Catherine, let's pick on me. How do I get my team to set the vision versus ramming it down their throat? By asking good questions, but like you were saying, by understanding what are the benefits. So I'd invite every team, every leadership team to come together. And I did this actually with a, a room full of university students. And there was about 100 students, and they came up with a vision within five minutes. So every leadership team can do this. Understand your benefits. Understand your why. And come up with worm words. And now what you need to do is, where did that worms come from? Come up with worms. Um, and what you need to do, though, is socialize it. So draft something and then test it out. Test it out with your team. Test it out with the extended team. Test it out with community. And then come back and revise it. Good, a good vision should be three to five words that people remember. Mm-hmm. And most leaders, when I say, oh, what's your vision? They go, blah, 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 blah. Ask the CFO, COO, what's your vision? Blah, 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 blah. A totally different than what the CEO said. Yeah. And it's a real invitation and a real opportunity for every leader to get your team involved. So grab the team, create a vision together. And that's something that we do at Awaken Companies. We help companies set their corporate visions. We're all about corporate culture. There's three pillars that every leader needs to know. Number one is how do we awaken ourselves? So if we think of a drop of water Mm -hmm. and we think of that drop as awakening ourselves, we think of the ring, that is the relationships. Then we think of the external ring as our team community. Mm -hmm. We need to know that the majority of people are disengaged at work. Loneliness is at an all-time high. Say that again, because I don't think people really understand that. Majority of the people are what? Disengaged at work. And what does that mean? It means they're actively, some of them are actively working against your organization. 
And what does it mean? People are asleep at work. Take that shit in, guys. That's, that's huge. I don't think business owners understand that. Oh, just wait. It gets worse. Okay. So most people rate the worst time of their day in terms of anything, taking out the kitty litter, cleaning up the kitchen. I know I really don't like those jobs <laughs> uh, as their time with their bosses. So you have a whole bunch of boss holes going around. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be known as a boss hole. Yeah. And I don't think the majority of leaders want to be known as boss holes. Yeah. So we need to reframe this entire thing about building relationships as you spoke spoke of. And then what's another data point is the majority of businesses start that start fail, won't be alive mm-hmm. in nine years. Yeah. So we have a, a system that needs to be revamped. We need to awaken ourselves. We need to think about how do we have personal aims? Does everybody have a personal vision? Everybody needs to have a personal vision. And this is what we do in terms of executive coaching. You need to have a personal vision. You need to be working on your self-awareness. The highest performing leaders are those with the most self-awareness. The highest performing leaders like you, Faisal, you brought it right away into the picture, is the other. How do we recognize and love the other and bring them into their highest potential. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of relationships, the more engaged somebody is, they're 23% more productive. If the engagement, there's a direct correlation to the bottom line. There's a direct correlation and every leader needs to develop their emotional bank account. What do I mean by that? Five times, at least five times as many positive things to each other as withdrawals. To each of the leaders or to the full team? Everybody. The more you can give positive kudos and catch people in the act of doing right, it builds a flywheel of positive effect. So what I learned about the positive effect, after we had that that lunch and we chatted, I took the assumption that positive feedback is saying thank you. It's not. It really means shit. I learned that, like, I was like, Wait a minute, I'm seeing no reaction. And, and my team will like, they'll be like, yeah, he always says thank you. And I say thank you so much. And I do that all the time. And that's just me being appreciative. But that doesn't mean that I am touching them. It means I'm saying thank you for doing what I need you to do. Yes, yes. Whereas positively noticing somebody is telling them the story yeah. of what they're doing that's amazing. And it's got to be true. And it can't be done on autom- automatic. Because mm-hmm. the automatic phasal is a real problem. The automaticity of, hey, thank you. Or, you know, when you say somebody, oh, I love you. Yeah. You know, like that's automatic. Yeah. That's not heart. Yeah. The heart is noticing somebody doing a really good job. It's also noticing when somebody's having a hard day. Yeah. And say, hey, are you okay? That sounds very big corporation versus small, medium-sized business. Mm-hmm. And where this is coming from is... Mm-hmm. Um, We'll get executives, and when we use the word executives, we always think large corporation. Mm. Very few managers or business owners or entrepreneurs of smaller, less than 20 employees, call themselves executives. They use a CEO title because it sounds sexy, Mm. but they don't really consider themselves as executives. Mm. So the leadership and the concept of having those those, those vision statement and understanding what their people are going through, that's, that's big corporate stuff. That's not, and you're shaking your head no. So tell me more about that. No, first of all, I believe everybody's a leader. Okay. So I think we actually need to change our whole framework. The moment we consider somebody a follower, their behavior actually denigrates. Yeah. Every single person is a leader. Everyone's invited to have a personal aim for what they're taking a stand for. And I think that should be shared amongst the team. And entrepreneurs 
are the people who are going to solve the world's greatest challenges. Mm -hmm. And we need them and invite them to join this, to do this. It's actually easier to do it when you're small than when you're massive. Yeah. Every leader needs to cultivate personal aim, have emotional bank accounts with your people, create cultures. For example, entrepreneurs, are you um, creating metrics of success? The research shows, and we marry business research with practical know-how and wisdom traditions. The okay. business research shows that those that focus on culture and finances in the emphasis of two-third on culture, one-third on financial success, are the most successful. Yet most entrepreneurs that I meet with just say, hey, can you take me from zero to a billion dollars like you did that other company in five years? Yeah. That's the wrong mantra. That's, Faisal, that's the wrong focus. Our focus is for organizations is how are we actually contributing to society and the betterment of society. So why are entrepreneurs focused on that? Can you take me to a billion dollars? Why is that our driver versus mm. I want the best environment, culture? Because if you ask entrepreneurs why they're entrepreneurs, because I get to do it my way, I don't have someone to listen to or my boss. Mm. It's I can create my own atmosphere. I can create my mm. own product, service, whatever it may be. Mm. So why is it that entrepreneurs, generally speaking, will start off with, I want to go to this size of a company, this size of revenue, this type of income. Why do we start there? This is a very powerful question you've just asked. I really appreciate it. I think everyone needs to think about the relentless pursuit of more. And we need to look at seriously how much is enough and what's important to us. What are our values? And are we living by those values? That is far more intrinsically motivating than the dollar. Hmm. Meaning, belonging, creating healthy atmospheres, as you just said. Mm -hmm. That is far more important. How are we spending our moments together? Because we never get our moments back. Yeah. Nobody does. So how how are we getting the how are we getting meaning? I see organize I see organizations as actually organisms of belonging hmm. and, and communities. And there's a real shift that's needed. Um, as you know, with my book, it's all about the awakening company is all about this interconnectedness. And that we've got to stop seeing things as so dramatically apart. And hmm. so the, the relentless pursuit of more, I think everybody, I'd invite everyone to really think about what's your, what's your why, how much is enough. And the moment we think about that, it drives us to what's really important in our lives. I think the second part of that question, your, your why has been pushed a lot. Simon Sinek talked about that. Everybody has been talking about what's your why, what's your why. You'll hear executives at mm. major corporations say, mm. what's your why, mm. what's our why? but no one's talking about how much is enough. And also, for me, it's no longer about what's your why. It's about who do we have to be to unlock the world's greatest mysteries. Mm -hmm. And back to something that Khalil Gibran said, which is work is love made visible. Look at that. So how do we weave in love to everything that we do? How do we imbue everything that we're doing with love mm. and kindness so that we create a better society and a better world for our children? and their children, and their children, and their children. That needs to be our focus, because then meaning and belonging is apparent. It just happens. It Look just happens. Engagement just happens. And it's no longer about this pursuit of the bottom line. It's about something far deeper and far more profound. And that creates healthy corporate cultures. You know what else is healthy? More chocolate. 
So well, let's open up another box. Okay, let's open up another box. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's get right into so that. So what, what box should we open? Your turn. You want me to choose? Yes, of course. I'm going to pick closest to you. Okay, nice. The master chocolate box that we're opening now. They look like gemstones. You know what? This is all about, we're actually, in this interview, we're opening the gems of the heart. Bernard's going to love you for saying all this stuff, let me tell you. Well, I love Bernard. <laughs> he he brought us in, these M, this our MBA team, yeah. to like investigate his whole company. It was amazing. Fantastic. And it was an amazing. He he taught us a lot. We go. got to go to the shop floor. There you go. And make chocolate. <laughs> make chocolate. <laughs> Look at that smile. Okay, here's the question. Okay. What are some of the biggest changes you have seen when it comes to corporate culture? I'm going to speak to something that is upcoming. You know how I spoke about how I see organizations as really organisms? Mm -hmm. When I was at Queen's, the person who presented right after me, he was at NASA. And they're using something called InnoCenters. And it's where the crowd is actually solving problems. So I think entrepreneurs, go check out InnoCenter. Give them challenges. Say you're going to pay a certain amount. And what's interesting is the people who are actually solving these challenges tend to be from fields not directly applied to the business challenges. Mm. So I see the nature of work and the nature of corporate culture as being really exciting right now. Mm -hmm. Like creating healthy corporate cultures within our organization and also using wisdom from other places and pulling it in as needed. So I see corporate culture as more emergent. And really, the three pillars, energize, sustain, regenerate. Those are, some, those are three things I talk about a lot. Energize, what's your vision? Do you have metrics for success? Is celebration. How many entrepreneurs get into the habit of celebrating? There's yeah. not enough celebrating. That's right. And then sustaining is about values, connectedness, understanding corporate culture. And regeneration isn't well enough understood. And that's more about innovation, creativity, and peacefulness. When did it change? And I'll give you the, the, mm. the example, because I'll go back 30 years ago, and my father and in that demographic always had the viewpoint of you are lucky to have a job, you are lucky to be a business owner, you're lucky to be in this country, and so Faisal, shut up and toe the line. Mm. Okay. And at some point, and I can't pinpoint exactly when, appreciation, we used to call it R&R, rewards and recognition, used to get put into place in the corporate culture. And then we started getting into more, let's be all part of the vision. Vision wasn't the very first thing 30 years ago. It wasn't even on the table, I would assume. But today, it's, it's more about moving that, that feel. When did it change? When did we go from, this is how it is and you just toe the line, to now, it's about us and not about me? That's a really good question, because it is about who. And really, I see uh, everybody as an entrepreneur now. That's really? a huge shift. It's a huge shift. Okay. Expand on that. Because with the younger generations, they're more about, okay, this is my life. What am I going to do with it? You've got me for a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. It better be meaningful and impactful. So I really see entrepreneurialism as the future. And that's a big shift, rather than towing the corporate line. Mm. And, you know, everything your father spoke about is really important. Like, to be, to have gratitude mm -hmm. for being here, for being lucky enough. I feel very thankful to be a Canadian. 100%. 
also, I think that's a word that's not used enough is and. It's and, you know, what your father spoke about is very important. And mm -hmm. there's other ways of including that and doing it differently. It's not an either or. It's, it's an not and. an either or. It's an and. Entrepreneurs have been a class of people. That's how it's been. Yeah. And you're shifting it by saying, no, we're all entrepreneurs. Yeah. The new gen especially yes. is looking at, we use this terminology work-life balance. I think the shift is happening. This is my life. Yes. How do I make it all work? Yes. It's yeah. the symphony of our life. It's really, I think that's what, what's being asked for is the symphony. How are, we, how are our lives symphonies? Hmm. And I also think that's a really good question. Like, how are we integrating life? Yeah. Catherine, you are the first guest on this show in the years that we've been doing it that look at entrepreneurship from a different lens. And what I mean by that is you're coming with the idea that it is not just about the business itself. It's not just about the tips and tricks that you can do to have hyper growth in your business, to have a bigger bottom line, to, to do those things that we can check in a checkbox or see on a financial statement. What you're bringing to us is what I call the, the additions and the most important part of the recipe. So I want to thank you first for coming here. We do have one more box to go to, but I think people need to understand that entrepreneurship and owning a business has now changed. And it's changed from just delivering a product or a service for a profit mm -hmm. and try to maximize that profit as mm -hmm. much as possible, which has been the notion mm -hmm. to now it's part of your life. It mm -hmm. is part of your culture. It is part of you and part of your team. So I think that's, I'm happy that you're here because you're giving us a different view of mm -hmm. what business owners are. I'll leave that next box to you. And just the most important question is who are we? Yeah. And who do we have to be before any why? And I think that's so forgotten. Absolutely. So, okay. The Let's box. do this. Okay. Let's do it. I get to ask you. This one's right up my alley, this one. Yeah. Okay, you ready? I am. What's your secret to building a team? Hmm. I have learned that the secret to building our team, at least in this business specifically, and it translates to other businesses too, they share the same values as I do. Hmm where we've had issues with members on our team in the past is when the value system is different with that individual than it is of the team. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, every single member on this team is hardworking, they're visionaries, they have their views and their opinions, and they are sharing them on an ongoing basis. And that's why we have long-term members on our team, because we share the same value system. Mm. When we get outside of our value system, and we've had a lot of hiccups over the past 30 years, um, when, you have, when we've had these hiccups, it's those people who don't share the same value system that actually ruins the team. Mm -hmm. People call it cancer or poison or whatever terminology you want to use. Mm -hmm. I just call it, they didn't, they didn't fit the, the value system. And my failure has been not to identify it right away and take care of that right away. I let that sit in the system too long. Mm. Maybe they'll be different. Maybe we can coach them. Maybe we can help them. Maybe we, maybe, maybe, maybe. And I keep on saying that. And then at some point, either they smack me across the face yeah. and say, I don't fit here. Or one of my team members say, that person's got to go. 
Yeah. And when that person exits, you'll find the team feel like a sigh of relief, weight off their shoulders. Yeah. So the secret that I think of building our team has been sharing the value system. What are your thoughts? What are your values? Ah. So one thing is that we'll always deliver to our clients, to our individual members on our team. We'll tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. That's number one. Number two, we are all hardworking. We don't expect 24-7, but we expect every member to put their 100% into as much as they can. Yes. Number three is understand that we all have lives outside of this. Yes. And so there are going to be times that either we have family, travel, personal issues, whatever it may be, we don't get in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if we all share those values, and I'll find that a member on our team recently, her best friend passed away. She was distraught. Mm. Like, what the hell are you doing here? Mm. Get out, go mm. home, handle your, your stuff there. And the team just picked up. We got it. Don't worry, we'll take care of this. We'll take care of that. You have nothing to worry about. Beautiful. That's the, that's mm. the culture that I want because when I'm down, when I have to take my kid to university, when I have to take care of my, my family, when I have to take care of you know, things that are happening in my world, outside of the business, my team's got me. Yeah, yeah. I want to make sure they feel like they got each other. That's amazing, Faisal. And most leaders cannot cite their values. So every entrepreneur needs to understand what their values are, hire for, for their values, and also measure performance reviews, the values. It is, I can't echo enough what you just said. It is probably the biggest rub in organizations that we work with mm -hmm. is the misalignment of values. And it creates huge turnover, wanted and unwanted. Because if you have a high performer and a lower performer, and the lower performer is not living the values but stays, it's toxic, as you said, to the entire organization. Even if a higher performer is not matching the value system, uh, totally, that causes even more of an issue. Totally. It's, it's totally. easier for owners or managers to let go of someone who's not a high performer. Yes. It's harder. They actually justify the behavior because of the financial performance they may have. Mm -hmm. And that's scary. That's toxic, toxicity in the, in the business. Yes. So how about you? What's, what's the secret to building a team? The secret sauce is creating culture, healthy culture. And when I look at the data... Two in 10 people feel connected to their corporate cultures in organizations. That's both small and larger organizations. So most people don't understand what the corporate culture is. Mm -hmm. So invitation to create, back to that two-thirds, one-third that we spoke of earlier, two-thirds focus on corporate culture, one-third on financial success, and having clear metrics of culture. You spoke of something very specifically that's values. Have your values clear, measurable, and talked about a lot. But how do you do that? How do you actually measure if the value is, is there, measure if the culture is there? Like when I hear measure, I hear quantify. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So help me understand, how do you measure? So first of all, have clear values. That's a number one is have them written down and have the team cultivate those values with you. Mm -hmm. Then think about as an entrepreneur and as a leader, how are you going to measure those values? So an invitation might be to do engagement studies, to have in terms of your performance evaluations, did you give 100% and get people to self-evaluate. 
Like I'm just thinking of your your company. Like get very specific. Yeah. And have people self-evaluate. People will tend to be harder on on themselves than what is real. So get people to evaluate in in their performance evaluations. Well, how did you do? How did you think you measured up Mm. to our values? Higher based on values. So have it in your actual interview questions. So there's with the companies we work with, culture is curated. Culture is not one size fits all. Yeah. Culture is the mercurial nature of what makes or breaks an organization. I've always said, Catherine, that what gets measured gets done. Mm, 100%. Okay? Mm-hmm. Here's my flaw. If you walk into my, my, my team's area, you will see a board of certain metrics. Mm-hmm. None of it has to do with culture. It's all performance-based. Big flaw. Big flaw on my end. Because we, we have a bonus structure at the end of the year based on metrics that are purely on performance. How many of certain items, it's based on what we look at from a business perspective. So this is my big flaw. So now you're going to come into my office and you're going to look at this board. And you're going to say, here, give me, the, give me the eraser. Let me erase that. And I want to put something on the board that we can measure as a team based on our values. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that business owners should bonus on performance should they bonus on culture or should they bonus at all this is a fabulous question i do believe that people should receive bonuses if they've done an outstanding job however first of all people need to be clear on what an outstanding job is. Mm -hmm. I'm working with a CFO right now and they're not even clear in terms of my executive coaching assignment is they're not even clear on how they're being evaluated. So how could you know if somebody's done an outstanding job if you don't know how you're being evaluated? Mm -hmm. Because back to what you said, what gets measured, you said gets done. I said what I say, what gets measured gets managed. And I don't think, I just would, the other thing as leaders, we need to be a little bit gentle with ourselves and turn down that inner critic because I know you're an absolutely great leader because you just said this. Because you just said, I'm will- I made a mi- I've made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And leaders, we need to do this because by actually by saying we've made a mistake and apologizing, it builds more psychological trust and safety in our companies. So I w- also wouldn't invite you to erase what you've done. I'd rather say, what can we build on? in terms of what you've done to create a more fulfilling and meaningful culture, which will ultimately drive the bottom line. Mm -hmm. They aren't mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. And I think where people get lost is they think it's mutually exclusively focused on the bottom line. Whereas the invitation is create a healthy culture, create metrics so that everyone knows this is what it means to do a stellar job. This is what it means to outperform and deserve a bonus. I don't think bonuses should just be given either. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. They need to be earned. The value of hard work is also very important. Yeah. So it's an and conversation. It's not an either or. And that creates a healthy growing forest versus just, can you imagine if we only had one thing in the forest that we were driving to? No. We need the cultural metrics where people have clear understanding of how they fit where they belong, what their metrics of success are. And culture is mercurial. So it, it, takes some, it takes a while to get all the different flavors in mm-hmm. because it's not as linear as the finances. EBITDA is pretty clear. Yeah, It's more mercurial, so it takes more thought, 
more receptivity. Hmm. I am noticing right now, in terms of corporate culture, where the rub is, is around relationships. Hmm. So for people to really work, everybody to work at building healthy, psychologically safe relationships. And one-on-one relationships, not necessarily big group relationships, but having really strong one-on-one relationships is a secret sauce for entrepreneurs. So, so let, me, let me jump in there with a, with, a, with a question. There's a certain point in time where the size of the business, meaning the number of employees, makes it challenging to have that one-on-one relationship. Mm-hmm. Take a major institution or company in Canada where they have thousands. There's no way that the CEO is going to have that one-on-one relationship. Mm-hmm. And if we even get the chance to sit down with the CEO, it's a it's more considered a treat yes. than it is a requirement. How does a company, as they grow, maintain that feel of one-on-one, even though the top person is not providing that one-on-one? Back to that entrepreneurial statement that we spoke of, I think everybody needs to become an entrepreneur and understand what relationships are important to them and to cultivate those relationships. There was one CEO we were working with and you walked into their office and there was a huge stack of books. And you can imagine when you walk into somebody's office you just see a huge stack of books, there's a lack of connection. And so uh, they made it a best practice to go out for lunch with somebody once a month and ask one personal question. So it's all about what are the small little things we can do Mm. to build healthy relationships. And if there's one thing I would want everybody to walk away with from today is the secret sauce is really about doing a whole bunch of small actions. It's about every day waking up, what are the small things I can do today? I was listening to um, three universities presidents speak and one of them said the most powerful thing I did was every night I wrote five thank you notes, five real thank you notes. Hmm. That's a series of micro actions. Yeah. So how can everybody in any part of the organization assume their leadership position, assume their entrepreneurship position, assume their whole selves, and come from that place? Because the world needs that. Beautiful. Thank you for everything today. It was fantastic. It's been an honor and a privilege, and thank you for asking me. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button for more from the Carmali Exchange. And you can also follow me on social media at Faisal Carmali, where we can continue the business conversation.